0: Section 17 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox Recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by ML Cohen. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4 by Henry Gray. The Forebrain, Part 5. Structure of the Cerebral Hemispheres. The cerebral hemispheres are composed of grey and white substance. The former covers their surface and is termed a cortex. The latter occupies the interior of the hemispheres. The white substance consists of medullated fibers varying in size and arranged in bundles separated by neuroglia. They may be divided according to their course and connections into three distinct systems. 1. Projection fibers connect the hemispheres with the lower parts of the brain and with the medulla spinalis. 2. Transverse or commissural fibers unite the two hemispheres. 3. Association fibers connect different structures in the same hemisphere. These are, in many instances, collateral branches of the projection fibers, but others are the axons of independent cells. 1. The projection fibers consist of efferent and afferent fibers uniting the cortex with the lower part of the brain and with the medulla spinalis. The principal efferent strands are 1. The motor tract occupying the genu and the anterior thirds of the occipital part of the internal capsule and consisting of A- the geniculate fibers, which decussate and end in the motor nuclei of the cranial nerves of the opposite side, and b, the cerebrospinal fibers, which are prolonged through the pyramid of the medulla oblongata into the medulla spinalis. 2, the corticopontine fibers, ending in the nuclei pontus. The chief afferent fibers are, 1, those of the lemniscus, which are not interrupted in the thalamus, 2, those of the superior cerebellar peduncle, which are not interrupted in the red nucleus and thalamus, 3. Numerous fibers arising within the thalamus and passing through its stalks to the different parts of the cortex. 4. Optic and acoustic fibers, the former passing to the occipital, the latter to the temporal lobe. 2. The transverse or commissural fibers connect the two hemispheres. They include a. The transverse fibers of the corpus callosum, b. The anterior commissure, c. The posterior commissure, and d. The lyra or hippocampal commissure. They have already been described. 3. The association fibers. Unite different parts of the same hemisphere and are of two kinds. Those connecting adjacent gyri, short association fibers, two, those passing between more distant parts, long association fibers. The short association fibers lie immediately beneath the gray substance of the cortex of the hemispheres and connect together adjacent gyri. The long association fibers include the following. A. The uncinate fasciculus. B. The cingulum. C. The superior longitudinal fasciculus. D. The inferior longitudinal fasciculus. E. The perpendicular fasciculus. F. The occipitofrontal fasciculus. And G. The fornix. A. The uncinate fasciculus. Passes across the bottom of the lateral fissure and unites the gyri of the frontal lobe with the anterior end of the temporal lobe. B. The cingulum is a band of white matter contained within the cingulate gyrus. Beginning in front at the anterior perforated substance, it passes forward and upward parallel with the rostrum, winds around the genu, runs backward above the corpus callosum, turns around the splenium, and ends in the hippocampal gyrus. C. The superior longitudinal fasciculus passes backwards from the front lobe above the lentiform nucleus and insula. Some of its fibers end in the occipital lobe and others curve downward and forward into the temporal lobe. D. The inferior longitudinal fasciculus connects the temporal and occipital lobes running along the lateral walls of the inferior and posterior corneus of the lateral ventricle. E. The perpendicular fasciculus runs vertically through the front part of the occipital lobe and connects the inferior parietal lobule with the fusiform gyrus. F. The occipital frontal fasciculus passes backward from the frontal lobe along the lateral border of the caudate nucleus and on the mesial aspect of the coronaraniata, its fibers radiate in a fan-like manner and pass into the occipital and temporal lobes lateral to the posterior and inferior cornua. Dejerine regards the fibers of the tapetum as being derived from this fasciculus and not from the corpus callosum. G. The fornix connects the hippocampal gyrus with the corpus mammillare and, by means of the thalamomammallari fasciculus, with the thalamus. Through the fibers of the hippocampal commissure, it probably also unites the opposite hippocampal gyri. The gray substance of the hemisphere is divided into, one, that of the cerebral cortex, and two, that of the caudate nucleus, the lentiform nucleus, the claustrum, and the nucleus amygdalae. Structure of the Cerebral Cortex The cerebral cortex differs in thickness and structure in different parts of the hemisphere. It is thinner in the occipital region than in the anterior and posterior central gyri, and is also much thinner at the bottom of the sulci than on the top of the gyri. Again, the minute structure of the anterior-central differs from that of the posterior-central gyrus, and areas possessing a special type of cortex can be mapped out in the occipital lobe. On examining a section of the cortex with a lens, it is seen to consist of alternating white and gray layers thus disposed from the surface inward, 1. A thin layer of white substance, 2. A layer of gray substance, 3. A second white layer, outer band of Bellinger, or band of generi, 4. A second gray layer. Five, a third white layer, inner band of Ballinger, six, a third gray layer, which rests on the medullary substance of the gyrus. The cortex is made up of nerve cells of varying size and shape, and of nerve fibers which are either medullated or naked axis cylinders embedded in a matrix of neuroglia. Nerve cells. According to Cajal, the nerve cells are arranged in four layers, named from the surface inward as follows. 1. The molecular layer. 2. The layer of small pyramidal cells. 3. The layer of large pyramidal cells. 4. The layer of polymorphous cells. The molecular layer. In this layer, the cells are polygonal, triangular, or fusiform in shape. Each polygonal cell gives off some 4 or 5 dendrites, while its axon may arise directly from the cell or from one of its dendrites. Each triangular cell gives off 2 or 3 dendrites from one of which the axon arises. The fusiform cells are placed with the long axis parallel to the surface and are mostly bipolar, each pole being prolonged into a dendrite which runs horizontal for some distance and furnishes ascending branches. Their axons, two or three in number, arise from the dendrites and, like them, take a horizontal course giving off numerous ascending collaterals. The distribution of the axons and dendrites of all three sets of cells is limited to the molecular layer, the layer of small and the layer of large pyramidal cells. The cells in these two layers may be studied together, since with the exception of the differentiation in size and the more superficial position of the smaller cells, they resemble each other. The average length in the small cells is from 10 to 15 microns, that of the large cells from 20 to 30 microns. The body of each cell is a pyramidal in shape, its base being directed to the deeper parts and its apex towards the surface. It contains granular pigment and stains deeply with ordinary reagents. The nucleus is of large size and round or oval in shape. The base of the cell gives off the axis cylinder, and this runs into the central white substance giving off collaterals in its course and is distributed as a projection, commissural, or association fiber. The apical and basal parts of the cell give off dendrites. The apical dendrite is directed towards the surface and ends in the molecular layer by dividing into numerous branches. All of which may be seen, when prepared by the silver or methylene blue method, to be studded with projection bristle-like processes. The largest pyramidal cells are found in the upper part of the anterior central gyrus and in the paracentral lobule. They are often arranged in groups or nests from 3 to 5 and are named the giant cells of bets. In the former situation, they may exceed 50 microns in length and 40 microns in breadth, while in the paracentral lobule, they may attain a length of 65 microns. layer of polymorphous cells. The cells of this layer, as their name implies, are very irregular in contour. They may be fusiform, oval, triangular, or star-shaped. Their dendrites are directed outward, but do not reach so far as the molecular layer. Their axons pass into the subjacent white matter. There are two other kinds of cells in the cerebral cortex. They are A, the cells of Golgi, the axons of which divide immediately after their origins into large number of branches, which are directed towards the surface of the cortex, B, the cells of martinati, which are chiefly found in the polymorphous layer. Their dendrites are short and may have an ascending or descending course, while their axons pass out into the molecular layer and form an extensive horizontal arborization. Nerve fibers. These fill up a large part of the intervals between the cells and may be medullated or non-medullated the latter comprising the axons of the smallest pyramidal cells and the cells of Golgi. In their direction, the fibers may be either tangential or radial. The tangential fibers run parallel to the surface of the hemispheres, intersecting the radial fibers at right angles. They constitute several striata, of which the following are the more important. 1. A striatum of white fibers covering the superficial aspect of the molecular layer, plexus of Exner, 2. The band of Bectero in the outer part of the layer of small pyramidal cells. 3. The band of generi, or external band of ballinger, running through the ladder of large pyramidal cells. 4. The interior band of ballinger between the layers of the large pyramidal cells in the polymorphous layer. 5. The deep tangential fibers in the lower part of the polymorphous layer. The tangential fibers consist of a the collateral of the pyramidal and polymorphous cells and the cells of Martinati, B, the branching axons of Golgi's cells, C, the collaterals and terminal arborizations of the projection, commissural, and association fibers. The radial fibers. Some of these, that is the axons of the pyramidal and polymorphous cells, descend into the central white matter, while others, the terminations of the projection, commissural, or association fibers, ascend to end in the cortex. The axons of the cells of Martinati are also ascending fibers. Special types of cerebral cortex. It has already been pointed out that the minute structure of the cortex differs in different regions of the hemisphere. And A.W. Campbell has endeavored to prove, as the result of an exhaustive examination of a series of humans and anthropoid brains, quote, that there exists a direct correlation between the physiologic function and histologic structure. End quote. The principal regions where the typical structures departed from will now be referred to. 1. In the calcarine fissure and the gyrae bounding it, the internal line of Balliger is absent, while the band of generi is of considerable thickness and forms a characteristic feature of this region of the cortex. If a section be examined microscopically, an additional layer of cells is seen to be interpolated between the molecular layer and the layer of small pyramidal cells. This extra layer consists of two or three strata of fusiform cells, the long axis of which are at right angles to the surface. Each cell gives off two dendrites, external and internal, from the latter of which the axon arises and passes into the white central substance. In the layer of small pyramidal cells, fusiform cells, identical with the above are seen, as well as ovoid or star-like cells with ascending axons, cells of martinati. This is the visual area of the cortex, and it has been shown by J.S. Bolton that in old-standing cases of optic atrophy, the thickness of Janaria's band is reduced by nearly 50%. A.W. Campbell says, quote, Histologically, two distinct types of cortex can be made out in the occipital lobe. The first of these coats the walls and bounding convolutions of the calcarine fissure and is distinguished by the well-known line of genera or vic d'Azur. The second area forms an investing zone a centimeter or more broad around the first and is characterized by a remarkable wealth of fibers as well as by a curious piriform cells of large size richly stocked with chromophobe elements, cells which seem to have escaped the observation of Ramani, Cahal, Bolton, and others who have worked at this region. As to the functions of these two regions, there is abundant evidence, anatomical, embryological, and pathological, to show that the first, or calcrine, area is that to which visual sensations primarily pass, and we are gradually obtaining proof to the effect that the second investing area is constituted for the interpretation and further elaboration of these sensations. These areas therefore deserve the name visiosensory and visiopsychic." 2. The anterior central gyrus is characterized by the presence of the giant cells of Betz and by, quote, a wealth of nerve fibers immeasurably superior to that of any other part, end quote, Campbell, and in these respects, differs from the posterior central gyrus. These two gyri, together with the paracentral lobule, were long regarded as constituting the, quote, motor areas, end quote, of the hemispheres. But Sherrington and Grumbaum have shown that in the chimpanzee, the motor area never extends onto the free face of the posterior central gyrus, but occupies the entire length of the anterior central gyrus, and in most cases, the greater part or whole of its width. It extends into the depth of the central sulcus, occupying the anterior wall, and in some places the floor, and in some, extending even into the deeper part of the posterior wall of the sulcus. 3. In the hippocampus, the molecular layer is very thick and contains a large number of Golgi cells. It has been divided into three strata. A. S-convolution, or S-granulosum, containing many tangential fibers. B. S-lacunosum, presenting numerous vascular spaces. C. S-radiatum, exhibiting a rich plexus of fibrils. The two layers of pyramidal cells are condensed into one, and the cells are mostly of large size. The axons of the cells of the polymorphous layer may run in an ascending, a descending, or a horizontal direction. Between the polymorphous layer and the ventricular ependema is the white substance of the alveus. 4. In the fascia dentata hippocampi, or dentate gyrus, the molecular layer contains some pyramidal cells, while the layer of pyramidal cells is almost entirely represented by small ovoid cells. 5. The olfactory bulb In many of the lower animals, this contains a cavity which communicates through the olfactory tract with the lateral ventricle. In man, the original cavity is filled up by neuroglia and its wall becomes thickened, but more and more so on the ventral than on the dorsal aspect. Its dorsal part contains a small amount of gray and white substance, but it is scanty and ill-defined. A section through the ventral part shows it to consist of the following layers from without inward. One, a layer of olfactory nerve fibers, which are the non-medullated axons prolonged from the olfactory cells of the natal cavity, and reach the bulb by passing through the cribriform plate of the ethmoid bone. At first they cover the bulb, and then penetrate it to end by forming synapses with the dendrites of the mitral cells, presently to be described. 2. Glomerular layer. This layer contains numerous spheroidal reticulated enlargements termed glomeruli, produced by the branching and arborizations of the processes of the olfactory nerve fibers with the descending dendrites of the mitral cells. 3. Molecular layer. This is formed of a matrix of neuroglia embedded in which are the mitral cells. These cells are pyramidal in shape and the basal part of each gives off a thick dendrite which descends into the glomerular layer where it arborizes as indicated above and others which interlace with similar dendrites of neighboring mitral cells. The axons pass through the next layer into the white matter of the bulb, and after becoming bent on themselves at right angle, are continued into the olfactory tract. 4. Nerve Fiber Layer This lies next to the central core of neuroglia, and its fibers consist of the axons or afferent processes of the mitral cells passing into the brain. Some efferent fibers are, however, also present and end in the molecular layer, but nothing is known as to their exact origin. Weight of the Encephalon The average weight of the brain in the adult male is about 1,380 grams. That of the female, about 1,250 grams. In the male, the maximum weight out of 278 cases was 1,840 grams and the minimum weight 964 grams. The maximum weight of the adult female brain out of 191 cases was 1,585 grams and the minimum weight 879 grams. The brain increases rapidly during the first four years of life and reaches its maximum weight by about the 20th year. As age advances, the brain decreases slowly in weight. In old age, the decrease takes place more rapidly, to the extent of about 28 grams per year. The human brain is heavier than that of any of the lower animals except the elephant and whale. The brain of the former weighs from 3.5 to 5.4 kilograms, and that of the whale in a specimen 19 meters long, weighed rather more than 6.7 kilograms. Cerebral localization. Physiological and pathological research have now gone far to prove that a considerable part of the surface of the brain may be mapped out into a series of more or less definite areas, each of which is intimately connected with some well-defined function. Motor areas. The motor area occupies the anterior central and frontal gyri and the paracentral lobule. The centers for the lower limb are located on the uppermost part of the anterior central gyrus and its continuation onto the paracentral lobule. Those for the trunk are on the upper portion and those for the upper limb on the middle portion of the anterior central gyrus. The facial centers are situated on the lower part of the anterior central gyrus, those for the tongue, larynx, muscles of mastication, and pharynx on the frontal operculum, while those for the head and neck occupy the posterior end of the middle frontal gyrus. Sensory Areas Tactile and temperature senses are located on the posterior central gyrus, while the sense of form and solidity is on the superior parietal lobule and precuneus. With regard to the special senses, the area for the sense of taste is probably related to the uncus and hippocampal gyrus. The auditory area occupies the middle third of the superior temporal gyrus and adjacent gyra in the lateral fissure. The visual area, the calcarine fissure and cuneus. The olfactory area, the rhinencephalon. As special centers of much importance may be noted, the emissive center for speech on the left inferior frontal and anterior central gyri, Broca, the auditory receptive center on the transverse and superior temporal gyri, and the visual receptive center on the lingual gyrus and cuneus. End of section 17.